We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome back to the Guilty as Charged podcast. This is Tyler, and today we are doing our podcast on Zoom. So this totally bombs and fails. It's completely my fault. Joining me, as always, to make sure I don't bomb is Steven and Jason. Guys, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Just I totally didn't mess up five seconds before we started recording. <laughs> I'm doing great. There's a lot of background chatter, though, so bear with me a little bit here. Yeah, we're all at home, stuck in quarantine with people around us that we may or may not like and people that may or may not be talking the entire time. So we apologize, but whatever, we're just trying it and that's that. So today, uh, easy episode, we're doing our Patreon Q&A today. Those of you that have uh, supported us at the $3 tier or higher, you guys will have, if you submitted a question, you'll have your question read by us. We'll go over it, try to answer it the best we can. We also have an interview with Louisiana Tech's Bobby Holly. Stephen had a short interview with him, but it's a really, really good one. Really excited to hear that one. Uh, so let's go with some questions first, and then we'll move to that interview and I'll get back to some questions. So our first one is from Alex, and I apologize for reading. He says, what position group are you most confident in, and which position group are you most worried about heading into 2020? You guys start. I think I'm most confident in corners, and I think I'm least confident in okay. tackles. I'm, I mean, left tackle in particular. Um, the reason sure. I say tackles both is because I know Brian Bulag has a little bit of an injury history. And if he goes down, everything's screwed. <laughs> so right. um, tackles is definitely what I'm most worried about. I would say quarterback, but I think the roster around the quarterback position is decent enough to where it's just don't turn the ball over and you're, you'll be fine. Yeah, I would say I'm pretty worried about the, the both tackles on both sides of the ball. 
Um, you know, if Linval Joseph, I think he can return back to form. Uh, but if he doesn't, and if we don't see development from Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery, then, you know, that could be some some trouble right up the middle like we've been used to, unfortunately. So I still would like to see this team bring back Damian Square for depth purposes. You know, he's mm-hmm. not resigned. He's still a free agent. So I think that would be a, a make me feel a little bit better in terms of depth. Um, as far as the positioning group I'm most confident in, you know, obviously defensive end is up there with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. I'm pretty confident in the running game as well with Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, and, and mm-hmm. Justin Jackson, which you know I'll talk about a little bit later on in this Q&A. But um, I'm pretty confident in those running backs as well. Yeah, I went with most confident. I said wide receiver just because like you have Allen and Williams. Right. Which you're already set right there. And a significant increase in, the, in how much better this group is with Reed and Hill. And even Patton, who has a lot of value as a run blocker and a guy who did show out in the preseason a little bit last year. And they bring in Jennings, who... I don't know how much he'll be as a receiver, but as a kick and punt returner, you know, there's value there. So this group is a lot better than it was last year. So right. I mean, I'd probably say corners too. Like that would have been my actual vote, but I went wide receivers this time for something different. Then least confident, I said linebacker. And I guess I should have gone offensive tackle. But I considered the whole line, the position group, I guess, instead of just offensive tackle. But at linebacker, like, listen, we're all very big fans of Kenneth Murray. I, you know, we think he's going to be great. And Drew Tranquil, you know, he took a nice step last year, but we don't know. We don't know about these guys yet. I don't know for sure if Tranquil can hold it down. I've never seen right. Murray play in the NFL. Harriman, though, you know, he's really good at his role. We're guaranteed to lose him for a few games this season. And I would say, you know, their best linebacker last year, Kaiser White, is not playing. So I, I just don't know what to expect from this group. Nick Vigil, I don't really know. And they lost Nick to Zubnar, so everything's going to go terribly now. <laughs> but otherwise, like, I just – I don't know what to expect out of this group. So I'm not right. really – right super worried about the players i just don't know much about them so i'm a little bit worried there yeah that's totally fair i think you know the linebacker position definitely brings a lot of questions and so you know like you said we believe in them but there's definitely some question marks there absolutely all right let's move on to our next question from tyler lawrence he just wants us to give an offensive stats forecast for most of the starters on this offense as well as some of the draft picks Um, instead of all of us giving our stats for all 10 players over and over again we've broken this up we all do quarterbacks. Steven is doing the running backs and Jason is doing the wide receivers. So I'll start with the obvious one, Tyrod Taylor. Based on his, I'm just kind of basing this off on his career. Um, so the numbers are pretty similar. It's actually what Bleacher Report, I believe, just put out. So I have, you know, some even round numbers, 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns. I said 10 interceptions. Based on his number, he's supposed to have like eight this season. But I think both his touchdowns and his interceptions are going to go up this season uh, just because of how often he has to throw it. So we'll see. Uh, he also ran at 104, 95, and 84 times in Buffalo. So I'll just say like 80 rushes. I think he averages 5.5 yards per carry. So 80 rushes for 440 yards and like five touchdowns. And for Justin Herbert, he has 1,000 minutes of holding a clipboard. So those are my stat predictions for you guys. Uh, Steven, why don't you go ahead and get into the running backs? Yeah, just real quick on the quarterback thing, that comment that you just made, clipboards. Uh, I was listening to part of my take earlier today, and they actually mentioned Charlie Whitehurst as being a, a cool hat guy. And I had, yeah. to, I had to explain to, to Brooke why we love Clipboard Jesus so much and why that was such a big deal for, for yeah. me listening to that episode. Uh, anyway, Clipboard Jesus so much. Clipboard Jesus is the best, and he, like, never played, and, and I love him. He's one of my favorite players of Chargers history, which is so Same. funny. I just can't, like, when people ask me, like, why do you love Charlie Whitehurst so much? Like, why is that a Clipboard Jesus? Like, why is that a Chargers thing? <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? I don't know, but I'm rolling with it because I love mm-hmm. it. Right. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Uh so I'll get I'll get back to the running backs to the original question. 
Um, Anthony Lynn as as a as a play caller, both in, in New York with the Jets and with Buffalo, Buffalo he was uh, pretty close to around 500 carries a season. You know, if that was a little over or a little mm-hmm. under, you know, I think that's right around where he wants to be or at least wanted to be with those teams. Um, you know, in, in Los Angeles, the highest that they've had in his tenure as a coach was 419 in 2017. So I'm not going to go out on that far of a limb and say they're going to go from, you know, low 400s to 500. So um, I've kind of evened this out and, and just projected it. You know, 500 carries on a season equals 31 carries a game. And what the Chargers have been doing is, is equal to about 25 a game. So I just kind of split the difference and then, you know, I went with 28 carries a game as, as kind of like a benchmark for uh, what I'm kind of expecting. And that would equal around 440 carries on the season. Um, so Austin Eckler, I'll, I'll start with him. Um, he had 132 carries last year, but he had 56 carries while uh, he who shall must not be named was holding out. Um, so that would put him at 14 carries a game. I don't think that's realistic. I think it's, that's probably more around 12 carries a game, which would be around 190 carries on the season. Uh, if he maintains his 4.8 yards per carry career average, that would put him at around 900 rushing yards on the season, which I think is pretty reasonable considering, you know, just kind of the efficient running back that he yeah. is. Uh, I don't expect him to score a lot of touchdowns. I think probably four or five, maybe six. You know, I think he's going to do more of the scoring in the receiving department. Um, right. So then uh, this is kind of where me and Jason defer a little bit. I think Joshua Kelly is going to get more carries than Justin Jackson. Um, you know, Tyler mentioned Tyrod Taylor. So I think Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson will be uh, basically getting 12 carries a game between the two of them. And I expect Kelly to get more carries, seven or eight, and, jo- and Justin Jackson to get five or six. Um, so obviously we don't know what Joshua Kelly's career yards per carry average is, but it was a 5.1 in college. So I'm going to say that probably regresses to around four. And, it, you know, if he gets seven carries a game, that's 112 on the season and around 440 yards rushing on the season. Um, I expect him to score more touchdowns. I expect him to lead the team in rushing touchdowns, like seven or eight. Uh, and then Justin Jackson, who was very efficient last year, he had 6.9 yards a carry. Uh, I would expect that to come down if he's able to stay healthy and play the whole season. Uh, I'll say he gets around 80 carries and around 440 yards rushing. So he'll outgain Joshua Kelly, but I think Joshua Kelly gets more carries and more touchdowns. Um, So just in summary, I think Eckler around 12 carries a game, uh, Joshua Kelly around seven, and Justin Jackson around five. I like that. I like that. I like the I like the little balance there. I also like that you weren't immediately like Eckler's a starter, one thousand yard receiver or one thousand yard uh, running back. <laughs> yeah. I mean. um, right. I just don't think he'll get the the workload to get there. I think no. he'll get close, and I think it's going to be you know like eight high eight hundreds, low nine hundreds. Um, but he's so yeah. balanced, and he provides so much in and as as a receiver that it's just not really right. fair for to expect him to get fifteen, sixteen carries a game and six or seven targets a game well his role's not changing he's yeah. still austin eckler mm-hmm. um the only difference is there's no melvin gordon and so justin jackson and joshua kelly are going to split that yeah. so i it's 100 reasonable mm-hmm. to, be, to believe that eckler won't hit a thousand yards he's not a workhorse back still uh he's still that rotational guy and uh i wouldn't be surprised if in the first two or three games 
all three running backs were like split like yeah. pretty evil evenly until one showed off like hey i'm the i'm the lead dog in this room um which i mean it's gonna be eckler but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Uh, it's just kind of how Lynn's style is. Even when LaShawn McCoy was on the team, they would sometimes give carries to that that late round running back they had. The last name I believe was like Williams or something. Um, so for receiver, it gets a little – it's tough to say because, for one, your quarterbacks are Tyrod Taylor and Justin right. Herbert. Those are your options. They're not going to be the 4,800-yard quarterback that Phillip Rivers was in his prime. Uh, it's going to be a mm-hmm. 35 to 3,800, no matter which one you're playing with, Justin Herbert or Tyrod Taylor. Right. Uh, so it's going to go down, but I don't think it's going to go down in the sense that all the receivers are just going to have low yardage. I think Keenan Allen's going to stay put at around like 1,100 to 1,200 yards-ish. Uh, he's still mm-hmm. going to be the focal point there, um, especially for Tyrod style, who he wants to play it safe. You know, he wants to throw yep. to the wide open windows. That's a good mesh between Keenan Allen and Tyrod Taylor. Where it's going to get a little murky is like who gets more of an impact immediately, Joe Reed or KJ Hill. So if, let's say Joe Reed wins wide receiver three. He was the earlier round pick. So we'll, we'll assume that happens here. Um, I don't expect, I don't expect Mike Williams or him to get a huge amount of yardage. I think you're looking at maybe, seven to 800 for Mike Williams in terms of yardage. And then mm-hmm. around like five to 600, maybe 700 at most for, for Joe Reed. And then you got to factor Henry into there as well, who Tyrod Taylor is going to love. Yep. Uh, I mean, Charles mm-hmm. Clay was his best friend and Charles, Charles Clay is your best friend. Then you get a tight end like Hunter Henry on the field and you're going to love him. Wide receivers sketch. And I think everybody's going to kind of panic in the first half of the season because Mike Williams is not going to be getting a lot of yards and you know, you're going to see Eckler and Henry and Allen getting a majority of it because they're the safe windows. Right. And that's the kind of offense they want to run here. They want low turnovers, rely on running the ball. So those three are going to be fine. I think Mike Williams is going to take a big hit. And I think, I think KJ Hill actually wins wide receiver three because of this. Um, I think Joe Reed rotates a lot between like running back and slot receiver inside stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I think KJ Hill wins the slot role um, or even the wide receiver three role as a whole, just because they want to go safe. And if that happens, you're going to see even less production from Mike Williams because it's, it's again, just another receiver that meshes better with the offense than he does. Um, now, if Justin mm-hmm. Herbert was starting, I think it's a little better suited for Williams I don't know and that's kind of the tough thing is you look back into the preseason last year Tyrod actually meshed well with Mike Williams in a way I remember that first pass in Arizona when he hit that back shoulder fade Mm -hmm. to Mike Williams so you might see something like that who knows maybe maybe Taylor finally has the offense he loves and he surprises everybody and just him and Mike Williams pair up and Tyrod throws for a million I don't know but I think we're going to see something along the lines of Keenan Allen around 1100, uh, Mike Williams at around 750, and then whoever wins that wide receiver three job. Uh, I can't really tell. I don't know what they're going to be like in the NFL. Uh, if it's KJ Hill, you're going to see a lot more receptions for less like yards per. But if it's Joe Reed, you're going to see less for more yards per. So it's it's going to rely heavily on who wins that job. And whoever wins that job is honestly going to affect Mike Williams as well. Like if KJ Hill wins, 
you're going to see less targets for Mike Williams. If Reed wins, I don't think it's going to affect Williams as much. You guys gave me the tough one. <laughs> for, for Hunter Henry, this is, this is the interesting one. you got to factor in a couple of things. First off is an injury. I hate to say it, but you got to factor it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think he's injured mm-hmm. for at least three games. It seems to be that's like the best case scenario for him is he's like out for three games and he gets back early or whatever case may be. With that being the case, Hunter Henry gets 600-ish, 500-ish. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be like where he usually sits. He hasn't gotten anything close to like that Travis Kelsey type season or Zach Ertz. Uh, He's just kind of that reliable option. Um. And he hasn't really showed that he can be like this dominant tight end that's your number one target on game day who is going to change the opponent's game plan. So I think around five to 600 is, is fine, and which, which is not bad for tight ends, by the way. I know a lot of people expect like, oh, no. unless you're getting 1,000 yards like Travis Kelsey, then you suck. Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, five to 600 yards for a tight end is actually fine. But – yeah. Who knows? Tyrod Taylor really loves his tight end, so I could see that number easily go up mm-hmm. like by 200 yards. There's just so many things that factor into the to the receiving total. There's a lot of mouths to feed, and I hated when Coach Lynn said that. Like, there's a lot of mouths to feed. We can't just like throw to Keenan Allen every play. Uh, but there there are a lot of mouths to feed here, and that's either going to boost Tyrod or it's going to lower everybody else's production. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're looking at the season next season, depending on how many games there are, obviously. You know, don't, I mean, yeah, I guess stats are an indicator of how they're doing that season, but just look at the offense overall. If Henry only has 500 yards, if Williams only has 800 yards, if Allen doesn't cross a thousand, which I don't think is going to happen, but he certainly won't post 1300 this year. If he's not, if the offense isn't putting up a lot of stats, that's fine. How are the wins? How does it look? They try to focus on that more next season than just the stats. All right. Our next question is from Devin who asks, who do you think is most likely going to be re-signed next season? And who is least likely? I'll start with least likely first. That's cornerback Tavon Campbell. You know who that is? No, that's why he's the least likely to be resigned. <laughs> but if you want me to give you a, if you want me to give you someone who's actually like relevant to the Chargers, then that would be, I'm gonna say Mike Pouncey. And now I would say Perryman, but that dude seems to stick around, and I think there's a good chance that his rotational role with Tranquil actually works. So they could retain him, and he does tend to stick around. The Chargers clearly love him, and the the coaching staff loves him. Telesco traded up to get him. So who knows? Pouncey, it's tough to let – if he starts this year and he plays all 16 games, I could see him returning. But it just feels like with Questenberry snapping to Herbert all offseason and throughout the entire you know season during practice, that they should just move forward to Questenberry if he's a center. I assume they're playing in the center. So I, I feel like Pouncey is the least likely to stay. Most likely, it's a toss-up for me between Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa, obviously. Like, they're the priorities. We all know those two. The reason I would go with Allen is because I know the Chargers have a really good working relationship with Allen, and they've re-signed him before. He's been very good to him. He's been great for the team. Bosa, though I think he is the priority because he's a younger player at an extremely important position. You know, there was that there was that holdout. There was that issue. You know, the Bosa family may not be so easy with negotiations. So I guess if it's a tiebreaker, I got to go with Allen. So what do you guys think? Yeah, my first uh, my first thoughts when I was reading this question and, and all the questions. Uh, the player I'm most comfortable with and that I think is, is most reasonable to be brought back is Keenan Allen. Um, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, there, there's just been some, not a ton of doubt. I, I don't doubt that Joey Bosa will 
come back. I think he does decide to come back. But there is just like a little bit of doubt there. I feel like Mm -hmm. pretty dang confident right now saying that Keenan Allen is going to be back next year. Um, My first thought on least likely to come back was actually Desmond King. Um, You know, there's a lot of uncertainty about his role in 2020, um, how much he's going to play, whether or not he switches positions, whether Chris Harris takes – basically takes over the slot corner position and so mm-hmm. he w- he was just my first thought I, I agree with you I think Mike Pouncey is probably even less likely because he's older uh, he's been banged up mm-hmm. and you know there's a, a young replacement in Scott Questenberry or Dan Feeney already waiting but my first thought was was Desmond King just because of the uncertainty and the regression that he had in 2019. Yeah, first thought here was Desmond King, but I think Tyler kind of persuaded me towards Mike Pouncey um, just because it, it yeah, makes yeah. sense to move on from Mike Pouncey. It, it doesn't make total mm-hmm. sense to move on from Desmond King because there are still things that Desmond King can do that offers mm-hmm. like something to your defense, whereas how much better is Mike Pouncey than, than Scott Questenberry? I would argue he's not as good as Scott Questenberry, but nobody listens to me. So <laughs> Desmond King, though, I think Desmond King offers more than, say, like, who would be playing that dime role right now, like Teamer or something? Because um, Nasir Adderley is going to be playing that second high safety in those situations, and then Rayshon Jenkins might come in. I'd take Desmond King over Rayshon Jenkins. But it's like there is that just looming, Where what is his role? What is Desmond King's role going into the season and how does that affect his chances to be re-signed? And then I'm with you guys on who I'm pretty sure is going to get re-signed, which is Keenan Allen. I've been arguing that mm-hmm. all offseason so far is that there's no way the team is going to let him go. And there's yeah. no way he's going to yeah. want to leave the team either. Um, I mean, they, they've had a very good relationship. And there is the, the old rookie deal that Bosa and the team fought over. They just didn't speak the same language in terms of like what they wanted in their contract, what guarantees and such like that. So that just might be the deal we see where Bosa is like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go and get more guarantees or um, I don't want to that classic Telesco up. I'm pulling the plug. This guy's gone. He hasn't produced anymore. You know, players don't like that. And so I could see Bosa saying, no, I'm not about that. Um, I could see it. I don't think it happens. I think Bosa stays, but I, I could see it. There is that doubt in my mind of Bosa leaving. Um, I don't think it's like a done deal where Bosa's like, no, I'm not going to resign right now. <laughs> like, I think people are way off on that where he's like, I'm going to San Francisco. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Um, I, the San Francisco thing is never made sense. That online. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a really bad Bosa pro- impression right there. It'd be more like, no, I'm going to San, San Francisco. I can't do it, man. He's so lazy. <laughs> How do you talk like that? Um, but yeah, it's like it'll probably be this thing where it drags out for a while, and then maybe he'll make his decision. I think it's going to drag out regardless with Bosa. I don't think it's going to be an instant deal. Yeah. Um, but as for Keenan Allen, I, I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if he played out his contract, uh, just because I don't I don't think yeah. that's something he would like. Maybe I. I mean, he might look at his past injuries and say, "I want the security." I wouldn't be surprised, but. Like yeah. there would be no surprise in my mind if like they announced like tomorrow that they've re-signed Keenan Allen. Like, right. I, I, there would be no yeah. surprise in my mind. Mm-hmm. We're like, Oh, they, they, they signed him. They got him locked down. So, I mean, but with Bosa, I'm like, this could take a while. 
right? And that's that's kind of why I'm leaning more with with Keenan Allen here as you guys are. So yeah, you know, I asked this question to to someone on, on Twitter the other day. Damn it! Someone just rung our doorbell. Wouldn't it be funny if Stephen just they broke into his house and, and killed Stephen right now? That would not be funny not, at all. Not be funny at all. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> that went so dark. Tyler would just be laughing, making his desk. I'll be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh, It'd be like that thing where Tyler's just like, "Hey guys, remember when that guy broke into Stephen's house and just like slit his throat?" <laughs> remember how and funny that was? Guy? <laughs> he couldn't even finish the podcast. <laughs> All right, I think we're good. Stupid Steven dying during his podcast. What an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Suck it. Hey, man, there worse ways to go, I guess. That would be funny. It's true. All right, anywho. So I was talking about this the other day with someone. What do we think is going to happen with Melvin Ingram? I think he's retained. I don't know how much or how long. Certainly not a, a super long deal, and I, I hope he's not making north of $20 million. Jeez. But I think he's cool with sticking around. I... Cameron Wake is still playing. I mean, that dude yeah. is like 37 years old, right? <laughs> yeah. And Nothing he's still like playing that. at a high level too. So, I mean, yeah. I would like them to retain him because it's not just about his production either. It's about his locker room presence. The team loves him. The players love him. Totally. Um, but you don't pay somebody $20 million because people like him. Right. So, mm-hmm. I'm a little torn on that one. I would like him to be retained. I don't know if he is. I don't know how much he's asking. I would not be surprised if they just let his contract expire and because they, they have a conversation yeah. with him and say, hey, we got these guys to resign. Can you just wait one year? You know, maybe. Because he does have a good contract. Mm-hmm. He does. Um, so maybe they give him like mm-hmm. a, a franchise tag or something like that. I don't know. We'll That's see. True. We'll see with Melvin Ingram. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they franchise tag them for a year and work yeah. something out. I think a franchise tag would make a lot of sense. I think that, like yeah. you guys, I, I I do want Melvin Ingram back, and and I'm sick of answering questions of whether or not I would trade him or not because I just think it's it's like yeah. edge rusher is either the second or third most valuable position in the sport, and if you yeah. trade a guy now after the draft, like you have to have a plan in place to replace him, and and you know I personally am not comfortable with Uchenna and Wosa being the primary Leo or or maybe swapping to the other side with Joey Bosa. Like, I think you want Melvin Ingram around. And, you know, I think a two-year mm-hmm. deal makes a lot of sense for him, or a franchise tag would make a lot of sense as well. Yeah, good call. All right, let's move on to our next question from Trevor Block. And he says, if our Bolts have another bad season, another 5-11, and 11, let's say, will Anthony Lynn get one more shot? A full year with Herbert 2021, maybe? Yeah, it depends. <laughs> Five yeah, and eleven is not the tell tell sign. Like sure. five and eleven last year, yeah, it looks bad on paper, but the team was not a bad team. They were competitive every game, mm-hmm. not except for that horrible Vikings yeah. game. Um, would they pull the plug on Anthony Lynn after five and eleven season? See, like that's so weird though, because if your team, like if you have a dominant defense, I don't know. I mean, they signed Chris Harris, so that tells me like Bulaga, Harris, mm-hmm. and Linval Joseph, that tells me they think that they can do something this year. They didn't trade anybody at the deadline last year because they reportedly mm-hmm. were all in on this thing. Like, they were like, no, we're ready to go. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I would say, yeah, they probably pull the plug on Anthony Lynn if he goes five and 11. Would I personally do it? No, I don't think I would. I think I would wait. I don't know. I don't know if I would wait another year. I think that I think Tom Telesco is safe, and I think that he would would be back. Um, I personally think that it makes a lot of sense to have Anthony Lynn have a full season with Justin Herbert as his quarterback. You know, I think it's it wouldn't be super fair. You know, and I know business isn't fair all the time, but it wouldn't be very fair to fire a guy after drafting a quarterback with a six pick instead of you know an immediate impact player. So. I think it would have to be like five and 11 and like getting blown out like four or five times for Anthony Lynn to get fired. Um, if it's five and 11, like last year where they're competitive and they're close. Yeah. I would think that Anthony Lynn would be back for at least one more year to see what he could do with Justin Herbert. Like he'd be on the hot seat. No doubt. But yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. Tom Telesco is pretty loyal and yeah, he's stuck with Mike McCoy for like <laughs> two or three years too long he hired so, mike mccoy yeah. he hired mike mccoy so yeah um <laughs> god that doesn't give me much faith uh listen i i know the record wasn't good but you compare anthony lynn to mike mccoy and you just like compare the game side to side yeah i will take five and eleven with anthony lynn over nine and seven with mike mccoy i don't know why i just would i just i don't want <laughs> no um you're not so, a fan of the halfback yeah. dive 17 times a game out of the gun the uh, halfback <laughs> dive out of the gun that's the worst part they wouldn't even run it out of like single back they wouldn't have a fullback they'd be like here we'll run a dive but act <laughs> like we're gonna throw it first so everybody pass block and then die yeah like god right i hated it i hated it so much um yeah but do we fire anthony lynn for him to go and like hire another mike mccoy i don't know i don't know about this no, like that's the thing is like you would have we'll see, to yeah. have Shane Steichen for head coach. Yeah, I mean Shane Steichen, but you if you're firing Anthony Lynn, you have to figure it's for an upgrade. And I know Anthony Lynn isn't like super yeah. popular on Twitter, but I think he's a at least like a top twelve coach in the league. Like I, I yeah, I'm There's not some ex- bad coaches out there, man. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying that he's like an yeah. elite head coach, but you know he gets the job done and he's solid and. Yeah, I don't want to go back to the Mike McCoy years. I think that would be a, a huge mistake. Yeah, absolutely. I think if they fire him, no, listen, I've been surprised by this team recently. I did not think they would fire Ken Wisenhut midseason. That's not something I expected out of the Chargers, who pretty much take everything slowly wait till the end of the year. You know, they're not the Browns or whatever. So that that did surprise me. And I could yeah. see if he survives, if he has a 5 11 season and survives because they fired Wisenhut midseason, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they can Anthony Lid midseason if they thought. You know, if Gus Bradley could be the interim head coach for a couple of games, however that would go. No. Um, <laughs> they would no. I mean they would do it. Like who else who else would be the interim head coach? Hamilton. Imagine that. Like Bradley is scared to get out of the cover three. He would just run power all game long. He's like, <laughs> no, it'll work eventually. It will. Works power and slants. Power and slants. So, you know, just 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 run it a few times. Make oh, Milas the interim head coach. I oh I'd love that, but I don't know if they can jump, you know, that far. From, I think they I, I know Lynn from went from running backs coach to a coordinator to coach real fast, but or the receiver coach. I really like the receiver coach a lot. Uh, what's his name? McGuffin. I don't know. I can't pronounce it. McGuffin. McGuffin. McMuffin. McMuffin. There we go. 
Sorry, McMuffin. All right, so let's take a break now and listen to Stephen's interview with Louisiana Tech fullback Bobby Holly. I hope you enjoy it. And here we go. All right, Chargers fans, really happy to be joined today by former Louisiana Tech fullback and current Charger Bobby Holly. Uh, how are you doing today, Bobby? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, so first things first, I would love to hear about your experience, you know, the day after the draft, how that phone call process worked for you and what kind of emotions you had when you decided to ultimately sign with the Chargers. Uh, it was pretty hectic. You know, I was uh, sitting around and sitting around waiting uh, that seventh round and name didn't get called. So I actually um, started playing dominoes with some of my family. So we nice. just went and playing and then uh, got that call and uh, it, it was just crazy. Uh, it was just a whole wave of emotions that came over me. And I was waiting. Uh, I shot straight to resting because my agent was in resting. They were going to get the paperwork and everything sent over. Yeah. It was a pretty hectic time because something went on with the paperwork and whatnot. But um, I got down to resting the next day and got it signed. And this just whole wave of relief just came over me. Oh, yeah. I bet. I bet it was a, it was a long few days. But, I, you know, I'm. I know I personally am really happy that the Chargers were able to to get you signed. Uh, so I just kind of want to talk about the fullback position because, you know, it's I don't want to say it's a dying breed, but it's, it's not something that we see super often in college football. Uh, so have you always played fullback? Like, what was that experience like, you know, at Louisiana Tech playing fullback there? Well, with me uh, coming out of high school, I was a tight end, but you, I'm 5'11", 6 foot, you know, not many right. times but that high. But um, when I got to Tech, they switched me over to a fullback or the A position, if you want to say. And it just went off from there. I mean, I was always a physical player. So, I mean, the game didn't change much for me coming from tight end and moved over to fullback. So, uh, it was just uh, – it was a blessing that I got the opportunity to get on the field with Tech and show my, showcase my skills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like how you use that word physical because – that was the, the first thing that I noticed when I, you know, popped on YouTube and I typed in Bobby Holly. It was just how physical and how tenacious you are of a blocker. Can you talk about your mentality that, you know, you come into the play, you know, what's going on in your head as you line up and get ready to block people? Uh, the process I go through, it's like either I'm going to win or I'm going to lose. And if I do lose, I'm going to make sure I correct what I did wrong and come back and try to win the next play. So, I mean, gotcha. either – Either he's going to embarrass you or you're going to embarrass him. So that's why, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, that, again, with the, you know, you're kind of setting me up here. It just, you know, there were multiple plays where I popped on your tape and you're just taking guys off the screen. And, you know, I, I looked at your tape against LSU, for example. And, you know, I, I don't know if you were – what kind of process you had leading into that game, but you were getting after it even against the, the team that eventually, you know, won the national championship. Right. Uh, what, what do you remember about that game against LSU and specifically the, in the goal line instances that you had? Uh, well, throughout that game, I mean, uh, I wasn't being used as much as I thought I was going to be. So right. I made sure as soon as I stepped on that field, I made every play count. And like like I said, like when we get in the short yard situations, that's when I'm at my best. I mean, I can get you three or four yards. That's no problem to me. So, right. I mean, yeah, I was just glad that they – saw that and put it into the game plan. Yeah, it was really impressive to watch. And I think, you know, most Chargers fans, when they pop on that tape, you know, we had a few people message me saying like, oh my gosh, this guy is really taking it to guys. And 
And I really noticed that you don't back down from anyone or any kind of responsibility. Uh, is that something that just naturally comes to you or is that something you've you know, tried to, to work on throughout your career as a football player? Uh, I mean, uh, I've been like that since high school. Uh, like I said, I was an undersized tight end in high school. Right. And I remember one year, it was like my junior or senior year. I actually it was my junior and senior year. We played a team down south. They called they were named Kaplan, and they had this huge defensive end, six four, two fifty, straight out of high school. Right. And he would post things like, "Who's going to block me?" And the whole my coaching staff told me I dominated him the entire night. So I've wow. just always had that mentality since high school. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that that kind of mentality, that chip on your shoulder, is going to hopefully take you a long way in the NFL. So. You know, I got to ask, as, as a Chargers fan, you know, we've, we have this former fullback, Lorenzo Neal, who wore number 41. Um, was that someone that you kind of looked up to, or did you have other, you know, players at the fullback position or tight end position that you tried to model your game after? Uh, definitely. Um, I'm blessed to be able to wear the number because, like I said, um, once I found out I was going to get that number, I was just – I was just – overcome with a wave of emotions because prior to getting the number I had asked a couple of my guys I was like oh man do you think I'll get number 41 I can stick with 41 that would be cool and it was like oh, I don't know man um you know this Lorenzo Neal's old number and I was like oh you're right and I've, I've been watching film on him and everything and his style of play and I was like it's an honor to be given that number That's so awesome. but like, um like I was modeling some guys like George Kittle I love how he can dominate guys but also run routes as a receiver so yeah that's a a great guy to model your game after and I, you know, I really appreciate what you were saying about Lorenzo Neal that's that really speaks to you know the type of person that you are uh, obviously this time is is pretty crazy with the pandemic going on and you know what what kind of things are you doing to try and stay sharp during this time obviously you know we wish that you were able to be in Los Angeles and you know get to know the guys and be on the practice field but you know, what are you doing right now to try and, and keep your game up to, to 100%? Uh, well, as of right now, we're in meetings throughout the week. So, I mean, I spend a lot of time in the playbook, just harping on the plays, harping on the plays, getting them down. And when we're out of meetings, I go out and do my workouts, my running, my lifting. I mean, with everything being shut down, well, actually, gyms and everything just opened up last, like this past Friday. Okay. So I, went to, I went to Anytime, got me a gym membership, and I'm just going to be rolling from here. Sounds good. You know, I saw I saw that video you put on Twitter of the pulling the truck too, man. That was really impressive. Oh yeah, I mean, I I really didn't I didn't know it was like five thousand pounds. I was just doing it just to incorporate something new into my workout, but I didn't I didn't realize that that truck was dang near five thousand pounds. Dang man, <laughs> that's crazy. That's really nice. Um, well, man, I, I I know that Chargers fans are really excited to get you out to Los Angeles and. You know, we're all rooting for you to, to eventually make the roster. And, you know, I, I, I believe that you'll be able to do that just because of how tenacious you are as a, as a player and that mentality. And, you know, you seem like a really humble guy as well. Uh, so we're just really happy to, to have you as a Charger for sure. Well, I'm so excited to be one. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. You know, we wish you and your family nothing but the best. And, you know, we're glad things are opening up and hopefully we can get you out to Los Angeles pretty soon. All right. Thank you so much. Anyway, so that was Steven's interview with future Hall of Famer Bobby, Bobby Holly, <laughs> Buddy Holly. Anyway, close enough. 
One of the things I love the most about the interview is what he said, where you asked him, you know, what's it like playing fullback? What's your mindset going into it? It's basically this, I'm going to embarrass you. And if I don't embarrass you, it's an embarrassment to myself. And if I embarrass yeah. myself, I'm going to go watch film so I can figure out how to embarrass you on the next play or figure out what to do to embarrass you. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. His mentality is just, you know, he wants to go out there and punish people. And I, and I love that. And that was something that all three of us clearly saw in film. And, you know, I asked him about his, you know, blocking the LSU guy off the, off the screen. And, you know, he's just, yeah, he's got a really good personality. And, and, you know, I actually did that interview over zoom. And so I actually got to like interact more with him a little bit. Um, but he's just got a great personality. He's, he's humble. He's not going to brag about himself, but he's just tenacious out there on the field. And so it's pretty similar to like what we see out of Kenneth Murray. who's like this great person, really humble. Yeah. And then on the football field, he's just like violent and just gets after it. And Bobby <laughs> Holly's the same way. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was yeah. pretty cool how he was, he was like genuinely humbled about being able to wear number 41 which is such a big mm-hmm. deal for Chargers fans, you know, because of Lorenzo Neal and how great he was with, with Danny and Tomlinson. And, you know, that just speaks to his character and, and it speaks to him as a person because he knows like how important things are to people and, and to fans and how mm-hmm. just the number 41 yeah. is so important to, to football. I have a bone to pick with Daniel Popper. <laughs> it was a 50, 50 battle between Bobby Holly and Gabe neighbors how dare you first of all daniel um oh man that's just insulting it's insulting it truly is and i mean i get it they're two different kind of fullbacks like gabe neighbors would probably be like a like bobby holly is like this impact amazing blocking fullback and gabe neighbors is like this useless fullback um <laughs> but i it's just one thing you get from the interview with bobby holly is just like this guy murders people on the football field no, right. he doesn't that's not him that's not him this is a lie and he, he really seemed like such a genuinely like friendly guy yeah. and then you like put him on the football field and then give him like this there's like this word it's a trigger and all of a sudden he's like this this killing machine like i can imagine like his eyebrows just furl and then he gets like pissed off and just starts like like a bull just like clearing a path (laughs) i just i didn't expect him to be so like i don't want to say like soft-spoken but almost like where he's just like seems like a really chill guy yeah and yeah i i don't know just because like every time i had a, a somebody like that that i played with who was just like um like I just want to, I just want to hit people, and I just want to go make blocks and hit my head against other people's helmets. They're like some. They were jerks. It's like Water Boy. <laughs> yeah, it was like there's not not somebody you you bring into the film room. <laughs> I didn't. I so it's yeah. like I didn't expect like Bobby Holly to be like that, but I did expect them to be a little more mm-hmm. angry. Like if Steven asks a question, sure. I'll play. I I gotta imagine him being like, just ask me the question, Steven. You know, but instead of like waiting to <laughs> be patient, even though Steven is his kind, polite self. Oh, maybe Steven you. just rubbed off on him. That's oh, maybe what you. happened. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a great interview. And, and you know, you guys are, are doing a good job of, of summing it up. Like, he really is just a really nice and calm and cool, collected kind of person. And then on the football field, he just turns into something else. And, you know, I thought it was interesting, even when he was talking about his high school days when he was playing tight end, like, 
he took pride in like showing up other people and just embarrassing yeah. them. And, and, you know, he mentioned the highly touted recruit that he just put in his place. And, you know, that's, that's a guy that I want to go to battle with. Like if I'm a football player, I want someone like Bobby Holly on my team in my corner, knowing that he's going to go and give 100% on every single play that he comes in. And, you know, no disrespect to Gabe neighbors. I think he is a, I don't know him personally, but, you know, I, I just right. want Bobby Holly on this team and I want Bobby Holly to yeah. be paving the way for Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, and Justin Jackson for the, the near future. Bobby Holly doesn't look at his ex- own explosions. He just walks away. That's oh, Bobby Holly. He's a really cool guy. That's nice. All right. Well, one thing I wanted to mention though, what do you think about, I forget what the question was you asked him, but something about, you know, players he molds himself after. What do you think about his response being George Kittle? I think he was looking at it more from like an, a blocking standpoint because George Kittle, I think he's mm-hmm. the best blocking tight end in the league and he just punishes people. Mm-hmm. Like there's that clip. I can't remember yeah. who was against, but they were in the goal line and he just mows this dude over and he gets up and he's just cackling. Like he just knew that he embarrassed that dude. And, <laughs> and so yeah. I think that's a good yeah. thing for him to want to, to be like George Kittle. You know, he did play tight end in high school, which he mentioned. Um, yeah, I think he meant more of as like a blocker in the way that George Kittle goes out to like punish and embarrass people. I took it as he's better than George Kittle. I'll stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a toss up. I mean, do you really trust uh, Donald Parham to be your tight end if Hunter Henry goes down? You know, stick uh, Bobby Holly up there as tight end. Bobby Holly is starting you know, tight end. Pass. Yeah, man, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> I don't need Hunter Henry's extension. <laughs> 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 exactly. That's why they're slowing the extension. They were really big talks until they got Bobby Holly on the team. They're like, okay, well, well, we can play on the franchise tag here. All right, let's move on to the next question, our fifth question from, I think it's Pio. He's got three questions in here. Thanks a lot for making it difficult. I'll read all the questions, and then we'll kind of answer them. They're kind of connected. Well, one's not even connected. Anyway, here we go. How important is it for the Chargers to bring back the Lombardi Trophy to L.A. and the brand-new SoFi Stadium before the Rams do, too? Do you think Rivers flourishes with the Colts this season? And if so, give a touchdown interception stat prediction for him this season. And lastly, how torn will you guys be if somehow the Colts and Chargers face each other in the playoffs this coming season? So as far as the, you know, the Rams or the Chargers winning first, I mean, yeah, it's great if the Chargers win first. Of course, it's, it's extremely important. The Chargers are the first team since the move to LA to win the Super Bowl for, for LA. So, I mean, yeah, but I think, I think the Rams winning the Super Bowl does less for them than the Chargers winning the Super Bowl. I think the Chargers finally get that Super Bowl. They can kind of vault themselves up. The Rams, you know, I mean, listen, I'll do great things. Garbage. For them too, but I don't think it's as garbage. Well, they want to have a first round pick until I'm dead. So I think they have a good chance of a good shot at winning first. The next one, do you think Rivers flourishes with the Colts? Yeah, he's Philip Rivers. Like, he'll, I think he'll do fine. He's got an <laughs> offensive line that's going to totally work for him. Um, he's like a two to one kind. He's going to throw less. He's a two-to-one kind of touchdown-interception ratio guy, so I'd say like 25 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, less yards, maybe 4,000. I don't know. It's not a bad season. I just can't imagine him throwing it for the, the 32 touchdowns, 17 interceptions kind of kind of deal. And lastly, how torn will you be if the, the, the Colts and Chargers face each other in the playoffs this coming season? Not at all. Well, listen, like, look, at one point in my life, I broke up with my girlfriend. and then, But that doesn't mean that when I went to Italy with my current girlfriend, that I didn't plaster photos all over social media to rub it in their face. Like, I love Philip Rivers, but like my my heart belongs to the Chargers, and so if they go out and demolish it, that's fine by me. Like so. Wow. 
That was the funniest thing you've said to me Before ever. It <laughs> I like it. I like oh, it. Oh, man. But yeah, like Philip Rivers, I want him to do well, but not at the expense of the Chargers. Like, of course, I would want the Chargers sure. to win that game. And, and hopefully, I don't, I wouldn't say Philip Rivers, I would want him to play bad, but like, I don't want him to do sure. well um, mm-hmm. if that happens. But, you know, like, first and foremost, it's the Chargers and <laughs> blaspheme pictures on social media. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was great. Um, but yeah, the Super Bowl thing, I'm not going to say it's like super important in comparison to the Rams. Like, obviously, I want the Rams to suck and I want the Chargers to do great. You know, I think that's. Which granted, we... Rams suck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean, the Rams are, I obviously didn't like their offseason very much and their jerseys are the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, but I think the Chargers, they just need to focus on themselves. Like, that shouldn't be a thing like where we're comparing ourselves to the Rams you know I, I think you focus on yourself you do the best that you can you try and build your own contender in your own way and you know if the Chargers win a Super Bowl before the Rams do that's a bonus um, but winning solves everything I think the main focus right now is being a consistently very good team for this Chargers front office and being able to give confidence to fans who are coming in and saying you know we know the Chargers are going to win eight, nine, 10 games a year. I think that is priority number one right now. Obviously I would love to say that they're a Super Bowl contender, but that's just not realistic at this point. So priority number one for the Chargers front office is build a team that can consistently win games and, and then make the jump to contending for a Super Bowl. Um, uh, Rivers, I think like Tyler, I don't think he's going to be throwing as much as we have seen him throw in LA and San Diego. I think the the Colts are going to want to pound the rock with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor and keep Rivers fresh. So I, I agree. I think 4,000 yards-ish and like 25, 26, 27 touchdowns and 12 to 14 picks, I think that's pretty realistic for, for old man Rivers this year. So as for number one, I think – I don't think it's as important for the trophy because the second the Rams walk out in those bone-white uniforms, their claim is over. <laughs> It's done. Those are the most hideous jerseys I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what they are. I don't understand the name tag that like, uh, it's like they're in a, I don't even know, man. It's like they're at a matchmaking set. I don't even, Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. It's not even white jerseys. They're, they didn't even do that right. They didn't even make them white. They didn't do anything <laughs> right. The yellow stripes down the side of the pants is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I don't understand it. It's like why yellow have, on on bone? Yellow they on have a bone? white. They have a white stripe too. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Um, if if they if they win the Super Bowl in those jerseys, I. Mm, mm. <laughs> okay, that, those jerseys will be in in Canton. That's the worst part. Oh gosh, <laughs> that would be terrible. Um, do you think Rivers flourishes with the Colts? I want to say yes. I would think I would be lying to myself. I don't think so. And this is being based off of what he looks like in the second half of 2018. And then the second, the third, the second, third and fourth quarter of 20, 2019. Um, (laughs) 
it just looked like he it wasn't sustainable. He wasn't durable. Um, durable in the sense that he never got hurt because he was sucking the life force out of everybody else. But exactly. like his arm didn't look. I don't want to say powerful because he can make any throw still. I truly believe that. It's just, I feel like his mind, like he just wasn't all in. And I can't like definitively say that either because I'd like, it's not like I talked to Phillip Rivers, but it was just like something would click at some point in the season where it's just like his decision-making turned just God awful. It would like, he would make the reads late even as early as like week one against the Colts when Keenan Allen was wide open over the middle and then he threw it like a full second too late and Malik Hooker jumped it. Like it was just really weird to watch the second half of 2018 Phillip Rivers carry over into 2019 where it was just like, this is Mm -hmm. not what we're used to at all. Even like, even in the past when Phillip Rivers threw a lot of touchdowns and a lot of interceptions, there was still that like energy about him where it was just like, you had no doubt after he threw this pick that he was going to, bounce back and throw a touchdown whereas there were plenty of times this season where I was like "Mm, uh it it was different it was different it wasn't just high touchdowns high interceptions it was low touchdowns high interceptions which is not ideal and so especially when you think to like the Raiders game or the Chiefs game where he was just special and I don't know I just I don't think so I want to say he'll do great and go off like into the sunset as a definitive Hall of Fame quarterback where he'll have like a 40 touchdown nine interception season where he makes the Chargers look stupid. I just mm. I think if the Chargers thought there was any chance that he could do that, I think they would have kept him. Yeah. So a touchdown interception prediction. I'll I'll say like similar to 2019 i'll say like 20 touchdowns 19 interceptions around that um and the only reason it might be different is because his line is insane in indianapolis Mm -hmm. uh but for me it was not the pressure that got to him in 2019 it was just his his own mistakes getting in the way um i think far too much blame was pinned on the chargers line which was not a good line but it was far too much blame was being pinned on them and not enough was on rivers um, for good reason. I mean, Philip Rivers is Philip Rivers. So anytime you can point the blame somewhere else, I mean, it should be pointed that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't see it. I, don't, I just don't. And especially with the receiving core he has, that's nowhere near what he had in, in, exactly. with, in the Chargers anyway. I, I just don't. I don't see it. So while we're on the topic of uh, former Chargers players, what did you guys make of Melvin Gordon's comments about the offense not fitting him who yeah who uh and who do you think ends up being like the guy that chargers fans should be more concerned about in that backfield between him and philip Lindsay? melvin gordon's a good football player philip Lindsay just mm, that's tough man who would i be more scared of between melvin gordon and philip Lindsay? i think philip Lindsay. I'm just used to being scared of him because he's always been like against the chargers. Right. And every time the chargers go to Denver, Lindsay just murders them. Right. Um, but Gordon, I don't know. I somehow see Gordon just running right into Jerry Tillery and like falling down. 
<laughs> but then I also see Melvin Gordon taking a, a, a pass in the flats up for like 70 yep. yards with no help. Mm-hmm. Like behind, and then like he never gets touched. Um, I think Lindsay. I'm still scared of Lindsay more than Gordon. I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, the receiving back is still the scariest thing to me. Chargers can't stop receiving backs very well at all. It's just they're incapable. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll say Lindsay. Gordon is a receiving back in the sense that he can run straight and catch the ball, but his route tree isn't very mm-hmm. extensive, and he's not very good at patience and understanding yeah. when the concept will open up, uh, which is what Lindsay is really good at and James Conner is really good at, which is what took advantage of the Chargers. Um, James White as well, which was awful. We all remember that. Uh, James White, Julian Edelman, mm-hmm. Sony Michelle. That was the worst. So I'm not excited about Melvin Gordon being in Denver. I think it's a terrifying combo between him and Philip Lindsay. But at the same time, I take some comfort in knowing that Philip that Philip Lindsay will get snaps taken away from him by Melvin Gordon. There's like comfort there. Almost. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. As far as guys I'm more scared of, I don't know, it's, a, it's kind of a, a wash for me just because I don't know what Gordon's going to do. Like you said, like we're used to seeing Lindsay, you know, terrorize this team back in Carson 2018, was it, where they beat him at home? You know, and Lindsay just – no one touches him on the way to a touchdown. It's like, great, thanks a lot. You know, so I'm worried about him because I'm used to seeing him. But Gordon, he could go either way for me, to be completely honest, because the guy either could totally stink or the Chargers are really good on defense or, like you said, you just, you know, throw him out to the flat and run, run, run by, you know, Michael Davis and – Pass up Rayshon Jenkins on the way to the end zone. So, I don't know. It's a wash for me. As far as his comments about scheme, I think it's – neither side really helped each other out early on. Like, with his rookie season, it was like, please start running into the back of our left – That was left guard. terrible. You know, but also, <laughs> you know, how often can you expect your line to pass block to run block and not get hurt, which they did the entire season. That might, You know, Mike McCoy ran that kind of offense. And then – run the same stupid play over and over again, which I, I got to admit, I unfairly blame that on Frank Reich, you know, because I don't even know if that even, did, that, did they even do that up in, up in, no, uh, it, it has not carried over at all. He's very yeah. like, diverse and like, there's a lot of variation to the, yeah. the kind of scheme he brings to the table. And when I watched him go to the Philadelphia Eagles and just call a heck of a game, um, every time, like every game throughout the playoffs and whatever, yeah. I think it was Nick Foles was the quarterback mm-hmm. then. And I was just like, what is yeah. this? Like, what the hell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. I think it definitely was a Mike McCoy thing. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So I think it was both, you know, Gordon was struggled. They had a, a terrible, like 2015, 2016, those teams sucked. Like they're terrible. Like if you think this team that you're currently on is the five and 11 team versus the one that they actually went, you know, four and 12, five, 11, whatever, back in 15, 16, like, go look at those teams. Which team would you rather have? Like, those teams were awful. That head coach was right. awful. Right. So, but, you know, Gordon wasn't that great either. But his second season, you know, he played, like, three touchdowns his first game in the, in the season against the Chiefs. Again, they ended up losing in overtime. <sighs> anyway, um, so, <laughs> I don't know. It was a little bit of both. Like, yeah, if the scheme didn't fit him, fine. And I believe it was Chris Hairston who said that Gordon actually didn't benefit from having Phillip Rivers as his quarterback. What do you guys make of that? And then does that you think that ties into Gordon's comments? Uh, that's interesting. I, I hadn't heard that, but yeah, Melvin Gordon. What he basically said was that he wants to do more inside zone, and that the Chargers couldn't. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like Melvin they, Gordon wants to do more zone, where he has he, to read and have vision. <laughs> Is that real? Is that what he said? 
That's what he, he apparently they did inside zone all the time at Wisconsin, and that's what he wants to do in the NFL, and that's what the Broncos do apparently. Uh, and that Anthony Lynn wanted to do more outside zone, and that didn't fit his skill set. Excuse me. So I I, I don't really understand the comments. Like that's why I wanted to bring it up because I I just yeah. don't understand. Like Melvin Gordon, at some point you have to take ownership for what you're doing and. Like you're a running back, you see hole, you go through the hole, or you make somebody miss. Like it's, it's not a super complicated position. Yeah. Like you know, you're still an NFL player. Right. that drafted you in the first round. Like, man up and go do your mm-hmm. job. So yeah, Melvin Gordon, like, I, he's fine as a football player. After 2017 and 18, I was like, you know, really liking what I was seeing from him and and his progression. Sure. But, just his his comments that consistently come through, like even when he was on the team. Yeah. Just, now that he's on the Broncos, I just I I, I don't like him. And, <laughs> yeah, as a I, football I love player, that, I, I love how he's just like I want more inside zone, outside zone bad. Yeah. I don't like I don't vision outside bad, vision inside good. I run hit hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't so. get it. He clearly has his weaknesses to me, and I'm with you guys. I think Philip Lindsay yeah. like scares me more because he's the he's the guy that can take any kind of play and take it for 75 and, and a touchdown. So, you know, Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon, I think that's going to be really interesting. I personally, if I were running the Broncos, I would just have given Philip Lindsay more carries than signing another guy like Melvin Gordon. But you know, I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of kind of over the the comments that Melvin Gordon is making and and yep. It's just been annoying since he decided to sign with the Broncos. I take satisfaction in knowing that he's making less than the Chargers offered him. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. There is that for sure. Gordon's legacy is going to be interesting. It's like a, a player that everyone really, really liked. I think he's going to go down as like a somehow underappreciated player who absolutely deserves every bit of criticism he also gets. Like sometimes Chargers fans underappreciate him, but at the same time, he's the guy who's fumbling at the goal line. The guy who's holding out, who's making these awful comments and you know had that joker picture you know from when philip rivers made the or one when pff took philip rivers comments out of context you know so it's just very very interesting player very interesting legacy with the chargers so i don't know we'll see what sammy does in in uh denver if he plays all 16 games and is completely healthy and has 1500 yards i'll be a little a little pissed off all right let's go to our last question this is from the username sucktails and he says assuming the chargers could only bring back one of these three who would you prefer they'd bring back alan Bosa or Henry? Henry's gone, obviously. We don't care. It's only Allen or Bosa. We kind of covered this already. So yeah. who do you prefer they bring back? I mean, I don't know. I got more of a connection to Allen, man. Like, I got season tickets. Or I started getting season tickets the, the year he was drafted. So I've watched him at home in Qualcomm and Carson now in, now in Inglewood, you know, since I've been a season ticket holder. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's near and dear to my heart. Bosa, I love him, but he's, you know, I, have, I don't have the same connection, you know? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, and and you know I appreciate the mentioning Hunter Henry here, but honestly, like he's pretty far down the list of, <laughs> of yeah. guys that I for sure want to bring yeah. back next year. So that's interesting because I think mm-hmm. Joey Bosa, like I think at his peak, is a better player than Keenan Allen at his peak. But you know, Joey mm-hmm. has missed games more recently, and you know, there's mm-hmm. always just going to be this doubt surrounding. Chargers fans whether or not he comes back and Keenan Allen I'm tempted to lean towards Keenan Allen because the Chargers will have a young quarterback like I think if Philip Rivers were still around I think maybe I would go with Bosa that's a good point 
But I think because mm-hmm. they're going to shift to Justin Herbert, like I think the more important player to the overall success of the team, and specifically Herbert, would be Keenan Allen. As much as I want yeah. to keep an elite edge rusher around, I think Keenan Allen would be more important to the team's success in the future. My answer is Keenan Allen, but I will say Keenan Allen can't sack Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So that's tough. Keenan Allen would help Justin Herbert. Joey Bosa would help Chargers. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let me let me ask this question then. You get Keenan Allen and Melvin Ingram, or you get Mike Williams and Joey Bosa. Oh no. Oh man. Okay. Oh no. Um, so you get the better receiver or the worst edge rusher or the worst receiver and the better edge rusher. I Keenan Allen and Bosa and Williams Ingram. are younger. Bosa and Williams are younger, so that's your vote. Those are those are young guess, guys. Uh, Keenan Allen and Melvin Ingram are both about to be thirty plus. Like I mean, Keenan Allen still has three years, but like three seasons until he's like thirty one. But yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I yeah, that's a tough I, one. I kind of want to go like that's kind of lopsided because Mike Williams and. Joey Bosa, like the only reason I would go and pick those two over Keenan Allen and Melvin Ingram, who I think are better locker room guys, like the both of them, like they've been around longer and they're, they have really good sure. leadership roles. Buff, man. That's hard. <laughs> uh, I answer, I asked the tough questions. That's. <laughs> I think I'd have to. We'll just stare at you, Jason. Bosa. I think I would have to. Oh, does that hurt? It does. But like in that. I feel like I would have had a better answer if you just said Keenan Allen and cap space. <laughs> Keenan Allen and cap spaces or Mike Williams and Joey Bosa. That would have been easier. Yeah, uh, I would have picked Keenan yeah. Allen then, but now I'm a little torn. Now it makes sense. I'm going to be here all day. <laughs> Honestly, either way they went, if they went with either of those scenarios, I would not be mad. I would get yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would get it. So like, they're about 50-50 for me. The only reason they are 50-50, though, is because of youth. Um, and I think Joey Bosa is a yeah. far better mm-hmm. edge rusher than Melody. I don't know about far better, but he's better. Um, like, I think Bosa has a peak yeah. of being elite. Like, And Melvin Ingram's, like, mm-hmm. borderline elite, I think, yeah. is his peak. And then Keenan mm-hmm. Allen is elite. I don't think Mike Williams' peak is even borderline elite. I think his peak is, like, mm-hmm. above average to – pretty good that's tough i think keenan allen and joey bosa are like top tier at their positions but joey bosa's position is more Mm -hmm. important right but like if you're talking about keenan allen and mike and melvin ingram that's better like those are two better players at their position because if you're going mike williams and joey bosa you're going an elite player and then an above average player Whereas you go Keenan Allen mm-hmm. and Melvin Ingram, you're getting two borderline elite and elite players. So that's mm-hmm. that's interesting. That's tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, I could I could pretend even if I lose Ingram, I could pretend that like Mwosu could be Ingram. I can't really sit around and pretend that like Rochelle or Gaziano yeah. or whoever's gonna be Bosa. Couldn't Mwosu so, like, play big uh, end though? Because he played strong side backer, and like I feel like nah, nah. I don't know. No. And Wosu and Ingram is enticing, though, because you would have some insane explosiveness there. Like, 
that edge rush would be like fast. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be powerful like Bosa brings, but you'd have two fast edge rushers. So it'd right. be interesting. But I don't like this scenario. I yeah. hate it. Burn it with fire. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? The good news is all four of them are going to be back this season, more than likely next season, and maybe for a few years, at least three of them. Um, right. That's it for us today from our Patreon Q&A. Thank you guys for submitting your questions. If you'd like to submit your question, please join us on Patreon at the $3 tier or higher. You can get your question in. Steven and Jason, as always, where can we find you guys on social media? You can find me at Centauri13 on Twitter, at GAC Podcast 17 on Instagram. And I don't have a hashtag anymore. Oh, no. We'll come up with a new one. We'll, we'll get uh, there over the summer. Hashtag 20 million slay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm at Stephen I. Haglin and at GC Podcast 17. Uh, we are doing a hat giveaway. We are going to take entries all the way up until June 1st. Um, so if you want a chance at a Chargers hat, if that's something that you feel like you're missing in your in your closet you know make sure you sign up for that and then once we get to 100 patreons we are going to do another giveaway uh so we're very close to that benchmark as well so uh please support us on patreon we, we do really appreciate all of that support and we're looking forward to giving away some more stuff over the summer absolutely please support us and thank you for uh whoever has been reviewing us on apple there's 92 of you last time i checked it's slowly every episode we get one more guy so if we can get to 100 and keep that five star rating. That that would be great. You guys have been giving us five star ratings, so I appreciate that. Please don't review us less than five stars because I would feel really sad if we got to hundred reviews and we're at four point nine. So please, if you're listening and you hate me, I apologize. Um, I'll make it up to you somehow. This is Tyler. You can find me at Tyler J Shun. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.